0: Welcome to the broadcast. Every Arizona homeowner's best friend. Thanks for tuning in. It's Rosie on the house. Your weekend wake-up tradition.
1: I talk to the tree. Stop and hear what I say. Come
0: on around back, Arizona. It is Saturday morning, 8 o'clock, the outdoor living hour. Your Saturday morning tradition since 1988. Second Saturday of the month, so we are Talking Trees, and we've got our certified arborist in the studio from Save-A-Tree. Scott Calbreeze and Matthew Noriega. Gentlemen, good morning. Thanks for spending your Saturday morning here. Morning. Thank you. Thank you for having us back. And as always, we start off our Talking Trees with a tree of the
2: month. Today, it is the Arizona Rosewood. Yes, Arizona Rosewood. Uh, also, the botanical is Vaquilina Californica. But of course it is.
0: Yeah, it
2: is, um, <laughs> it is part of the rose family um this evergreen shrub it can be a tree uh doesn't get too tall if it has adequate water it can reaches up very rarely 25 feet tall um i have not known any in the valley to get that tall but that'd be awesome if you could find one um they're 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 really good when you shape the tree not so much shearing um these trees are great shrubs blockage um ununiform fence line if you want uh a small patio tree. It's, it's a real good alternative instead of the poisonous oleander. Um, I know that's somewhat hectic when you have small kids, small animals that don't know the plant, or even you yourself don't know, but they can put down a horse, those oleanders. So this is a great substitute. We have heard that. And I grew
0: up with a surrounded on three sides of the backyard with oleanders. Mm. So we had forts in it. And if you peel a Leaf just right off it. You can get some bark, and that'll make a nice rope to tie some branches together. <laughs> yep. uh, we had an old Arizona one time say, yeah, you know, they say they're poisonous, but I've never seen a horse ever eat them. You know, they seem to know yeah. not to not mm-hmm. to mess with them. But um, I never really liked them, the oleanders, even though they made great forts. I don't know. It was just they were never a consistent or a uniform you'd have. Some that would grow really strong, and they'd be tall, mm-hmm. and then you'd have a spot in the middle that seemed like they were dead, they never filled in, and then the, the red ones would always bloom great, the white ones never did. I mean,
1: there was never a consistency in the shrub, was my biggest problem with the oleanders. A lot of issues with those, too. Um, I know oleander leaf scorch has been taking out a lot of them, and the the deadwood in the insides from the shearing portion of it so you know if it was pruned and not sheared to like a hedge it'd, it'd make a big difference you'd see less deadwood and just that messy look inside there one thing i did want to add about that rosewood and a, a really important too is it's uh, very heat resistant so it's you only really have to water it during the summertime it's drought tolerant and uh You know, if you're zero scaping your yard, that's a great option for you. Now, will you get any color with the rosewood? Yeah, it will bloom
2: um, early summer, late spring, white blooms. Um, They are on the ends of the branches. So if you're pruning before then, you might not get the bloom. So, um, but they are very attractive. The bees are very attracted to these blooms. So if you do plant them, um, make sure it's not a heavy walkway or something like that. If you guys want to maintain your uh, your involvement with the bees, because they will swarm. Um, also, another thing to note, I know if you want to plant, I I read that they love to be in the native soil, not potted. So if you get one, put it in the native soil, it would love it so much more. Um, that goes, goes a long way as far as I know. Last time I was here, I was talking about these containerized trees and the girdling roots. So um, putting it in the ground is just going to make it a better life for the rosewood now you still wouldn't
0: put it straight into the native dirt you'd still put a little bit of potting soil or compost
1: or something to help get it started right you can it's really not necessary it's and you have to be careful with that if you mix it with native soil you can absolutely plant it with you know organic matter but um, you see a lot of times people take that box media and just throw it in the hole and there's some issues that, you know, with water reaching the, the the native soil at that point. So if you're going to do that, add organic matter to it, make sure you mix it with the native soil. And I was reading here on all the different characters about the tree
0: um, that it's susceptible to Texas root rot. That seems to be that disease itself seems to come up more in locally than anything else as it relates
1: to trees. It is. Unfortunately, in it's, it's deep in our soil, but if the roots can reach it and it's there, um, we get these humid days and it could become positive for Texas root rot. We yeah. Saw that list last time of what's actually resistant to it, but a lot of things aren't, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it is an opportunistic fungus. Yeah. So if your trees are stressed,
2: if you're not giving it adequate water, if you just threw a ton of granite on there, escaped, you know, ripped all the grass from under it, or you put in, you know, Sending these trees into shock will send out hormones to say, I'm shocked. And that's when pathogens attach. So keeping your trees happy will also go a long way. And
0: another interesting and we've got a great southern Arizona affiliate in the sour, KGVY out of Green Valley, Sarita. This Arizona Rosewood does better in that uh,
2: Tucson, Sarita, Green Valley climate. Yes. The higher altitude they much enjoy it. Tucson is sits a little higher than us. Um, their soil isn't much different than ours both alkalinic high alkaline soils um, so and even with the Texas root rot um, reducing that pH any way you can um, really helps with being proactive of of that Texas root rot so there's your tree of the month which is a shrub but can be pruned to a
0: small tree Mm. can be used as a shrub line a privacy screen the Arizona rosewood now One of the things that we've, and it's it's hard to do, but trying to find public places where people can go see these tree of the month every single, you know, here's where you can go drive Mm -hmm. within your neighborhood to find it. Finding those public areas isn't something that uh, we've quite had the manpower to put that archive together, but you can go to rosieonthehouse.com and today's broadcast on the archive page, you can see a picture of the Arizona Rosewood along with the link to all the details regarding the species, you know, the the blooming, the landscape use. It is considered zero scape uh, plant, so low water use, temperature tolerance, color, soil, watering, and it's got a complete. I wouldn't call it a pedigree. What would you call it for a tree? Rootogram, leafogram, yeah, <laughs>
1: something like that.
0: Barkogram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh back,
1: yeah. Going back to Texas root rot. Before you say, let's plant one of these. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to test for
2: root rot in that area? Well, it's parent to our, our, our material here. It, it's just there. So it's just there. Yeah. You, you can't put, like, like a liquid in
1: there and it turns blue and say, well, we can't plant here. Yeah.
2: The best thing you can do is rip out six feet of your soil and hope that the, the surrounding soil doesn't start to develop fungus into it. So, And then
0: on to our tip of the month. You guys have a note. We hit on it a little bit last uh, last talking trees broadcast in august but getting ready for the holiday tree lighting
1: yes we are so give us a call we'll set up an appointment we uh we'll help you design something we have lots of options and you know we'll even what we do is it, once we agree to a certain color and what you're looking for we'll, we'll bring the lights out we'll set them up free maintenance basically if if anything goes wrong, just give us a call. At the end of the season, when we're done, we store them for you, ready to go for next year.
0: Excellent. That's a pretty unique service. I don't know anyone else in Arizona that offers. Design it, get the lights, put them up, take them down, and then store them till next year. It doesn't even have to
2: be for Christmas. We can do all kinds of holiday. Um, Backyard and, wedding. Yeah. You know, if you have a theme that, that, that can kind of work with us, then I, I don't see why not. <clears throat> and a big, big thing is... Our, our professionalism when installing these it, it really separates from the homeowner doing his lights trying to get off that ladder get out from the the sun you know um, and then there's ours that are equally spaced apart um, we only suggest certain kind of roofways and, and stuff like that to where it looks the best you know you want a line of cars taking pictures of your house when you're done with us that's that's what we want to shoot for Scott has some stuff on Denver with the uh, the light show over there right?
1: yeah yeah if you if you go to the sorry um if you take a look at the denver botanic garden uh, it's huge i mean it's there's certain magazines that said that's the number one light show in the entire country just to kind of give you an example of um, what our lights look like and and it's not always i mean we we do different holiday decor like if you have a Halloween theme you want us to do. Mm -hmm. Give us a call now so we can get that ready for you. So you guys do the Denver Botanical
2: Gardens is what... Yeah, the Save-A-Tree branch in there handles all of that. They've been doing it for a few years now, Um, and it is spectacular. If you see these pictures and the kind of lighting we could do with trees as far as canopy wraps, I mean, even to where it looks like snow is coming through the tree, um, trunk wraps, it is beautiful.
0: Well, we're going to have to get you guys... In front of the city council at Prescott, have you ever been up there for the courthouse lighting? No, no. Oh, no. uh, so there's about 180 trees on the courthouse square, and they're up to about a hundred of them, according to my last numbers. It's been a, a year or two that they lighten the first Saturday in September. Hmm. Or excuse me, December. They have uh, their Christmas parade, and then at night they do the uh, caroling singing on the courthouse square and do a wow. countdown and. Light up the courthouse square. It's quite a neat. That's awesome. Neat, I mean, they do uh, a pretty good job with all of their lights, but I mean, some of these things you're talking about, with the snow falling, mm-hmm. and uh, I definitely think there's some uh, some some things to enhance here. And if they're only doing a hundred of the 180 trees, there's still 80 trees left for you guys to take hey, a stab at. Hey.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Prescott, I'm to take my little girl to see
0: that this year. <laughs> oh, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely. I mean, we never missed it for about. 10 years and then as the kids got older and different sporting events took us away from mm. being available uh we we haven't been the last couple of years but that was a family tradition for a decade solid so we're talking trees with save a tree if you would like if you'd like to join the conversation one 888 rosie for you text questions can be sent to four one one nine two three or email at info at rosie on the Talking trees on this beautiful Arizona Saturday morning, and not only trees, but now tree and lawn care with Save a Tree. Not only uh, do y'all do tree care and maintenance now, but you've moved into overseeding for lawns and lawn care as part of you know the services that y'all offer to Arizona homeowners. And we are, I mean, if if you're not scheduled for overseeding yet, you should be. Uh, I mean, we are we are right in prime time, and I don't know what y'all's workload is or how far you're scheduled out um but as they say il
2: it is time <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we don't really oversee just yet that is something we want to implement um they do it you know across the country at other saving tree branches as, even as far as seed splicing and stuff like that so that will be implemented soon to come right now our kind of stuff is soil amendments fertilizing um bug control weed control all all the good stuff um we don't do the mow blow and go uh, but we will keep your grass lush green, dark green. Um, and then even for the rye grass coming in, like you said, October, that is the key time to do the scalping and overseeding. Um, touch on that a little bit with the overseeding. Really, you want it to be a little warm. You need those seeds to germinate at this time. If it's too cold, it'll take them a little bit longer. They'll, they'll lay a little bit dormant. So overseeding while it's still warm and keeping the moisture on there, that's a big thing. Um, a lot of times I know people will have things to do as far as changing landscape because the weather's starting to cool down and people are outside more. But when you're trying to get your lawn going for that winter rye, stepping on it, dragging brush branches, um, having your landscapers doing various uh, you know projects on your lawn can all mess with a good lush green winter grass. And if you have a existing Bermuda
0: grass, your summer lawn's still in, what do homeowners need to be doing now preparing for that
1: transition? Definitely want to stop fertilizing right, right now. You don't want to push anything that's going to encourage Bermuda growth. You want to stop that. Um, you usually start to see people scalp the second week into October. So right now you want to actually start raising your mowing deck 30 to 40% uh, and de- decreasing irrigation about 30%. Now this is let's let me back up and say start this in October, okay? Cuz 2 weeks in is when you're going to start really bringing it down. Um 1 to 3 days before you do decide to overseed, stop watering bring that uh mower height down 30 to 40 percent from there and it like scalping like matt was saying and then just before um you want to lay your seed down at that point and like matt was saying water 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 you know moisture is key here yeah uh, i i've i've scalped a lot
2: of grass you know i've been landscaping for six years and the the, the the method we kind of developed was you let the Bermuda die, let it dry out, don't water like Scott was saying. Then you're gonna come in, really scalp it down to, to as low as you can get it, even if the dirt's shown. Um, sometimes it's good to leave a little bit of grass so the wind doesn't blow it away, um, but if you go lower- It meaning the seed. The seed, yeah. Um, then putting a the light, light spread of manure goes a long way also. Uh, the big thing though is after you're scalping, always check your irrigation system because you're going to have it off for a little while. So make sure all the sprinklers are throwing correctly where they're supposed to make sure there's no leaks and there's no puddles of water accumulating that can wash out the seed stuff like that can really, you know, the preparation you take now will be the result of what your lawn can be. Um, so being prepared and, and doing stuff like that, I know it went a long way when we were cutting grass and, and putting in that rye. Um, another thing, be patient. Um, people mow it way too soon. Um, let it get that nice green hue first and then start to maybe mow and always mow with the bag on when you're picking up the clips. Don't put it back down because there's still seeds that aren't pushed through yet. Um, that aren't germinated fully completely. So
1: picking up those clippings, the first few mows is, is also a big help. Something I want to add on to what Matt said earlier is, no, we don't overseed or mow per se, but we do we do lawn health care. So we'll we'll prep the soils for you by adding amendments, uh, pre-emerge, get you ready for the spring and mm-hmm. Bermuda grass at that time. So very important. So Save A Tree will
0: bring it right up to the point of ready, but at the time, it's still up to homeowner to uh, do the seed spreading. And and the last couple years it seems like. Ryegrass seed went really fast. So at least get it now, put it in your garage, keep it dry, keep it uh, out of the sun. I always get twice as much as I need just to be safe because you may end up with some digging spots from dogs here and there. You've got a cracked here. As even as I feel my irrigation system is, some areas won't come in, some will. I I Mm -hmm. always have to do some kind of seed cover. I've only once ever been successful with... Just Spreading the seed and, let, seed and letting it come up with the watering system. Like it, the seed costs too much to not put a little bit of seed cover on top of it to make sure it germinates right the first time. Um,
2: there are two types of rye the annual is the cheaper and expensive kind, and then the perennial is a little bit more expensive. The difference of the two, the perennial it being more expensive, obviously looks nicer, grows a little bit better. It's just, it's it's a lot finer blades of grass rather than the tall, lanky annual. Um, so that, if that's something that you would be interested in, maybe spending a little bit more for the perennial, it'll last you a little bit longer through the hotter seasons, and it does great in the shade. And the kids
0: always call it the soft grass. When is it soft grass season, Dad? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we're almost
0: there. We're, oh, yeah. We are almost there. Yeah, we stopped watering or actually a little bit earlier just because the, we had so much rain. I mean, we oh, had yeah. a really good monsoon. The lawn... Looks really good right now. I just thought, you know, there's no reason to keep watering no. this. This is going to, as hardy as Bermuda is, if out watering and stressing a little bit, it's still going to look good for another three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. I, agreed. So, all, we're talking trees with Save-A-Tree. More after bottom of the hour news. our conversation talking That's trees this beautiful Arizona Saturday morning we have Scott Calbresi and Matthew Noriega from Save a Tree both ISA certified arborists and during the break a uh, homeowner Vanessa from Peoria emailed in wanting to know about how to fertilize her citrus and it was a perfect question because one of the must cover talking points that we have for today is fall fertilizing for our trees we've got the final our final stretch and there's multiple different reasons uh, and different trees to fertilize and some not to fertilize.
2: Yeah, right now with the, with the fall coming in winter, some of these trees are going to lay dormant, so they don't need sometimes the full base of, of an NPK fertilizing. Um, some trees that fr- produce fruit and bloom and stuff, maybe you need to put them on a schedule to prepare for spring comes. Um, I know that goes a long way uh, with the fertilizing during the fall. It's a lot more potassium phosphorus based. You want to want to probably lean towards more prevention uh, with these these colder times. People don't really change their watering schedule. Promotes more fungal growth, putting these trees at risk. So having the proactive fertilizing system on there or or schedule um, amount will
1: go a long way. And like Matt said, you want to push that phosphorus, potassium. You want to drop that nitrogen. You don't want to push uh, new green growth during this if we get a frost because it'll just die back. If honestly, you want to try to uh, thicken the cell walls and encourage the overall vigor with potassium and phosphorus.
0: And when y'all do your fertilizer application, you're not doing you know what most of us homeowners do granule application. Y'all do more of the liquid injections, correct?
1: That is correct. I, I think what separates us, too, is we add different additives in there to help with stress, um, heat tolerance. I know I love using kelp in almost every single blend that I have. So,
2: yeah, Romy, we, we do more of a liquid blend and we can do deep root fertilizing. It is more div- based on your, your landscape. If, if you have granite or a hard rock bed, we might not be able to stick that needle to do the deep root injections. What we do is that the tech will know to mimic rainfall and have the the liquid blend fall from a, a distance up. That way it stimulates the ground, stimulates the roots, but it still gets down. Obviously, deep root injections is the best way to go. When it's nice, easy soil or in grass, the tech is more than happy to apply it that way. And when we're fertilizing, it, it doesn't apply to just trees, but shrubs
0: as well. And Scott, you had mentioned that you don't want a big flush of growth because it's warm enough a lot of trees with that fertilizer will but if we get a frost which occasionally happens here in Arizona you'll get a severe dieback so it's a fine balance like the evergreens maybe a little bit of fertilizer so they can store up some nutrients before they go dormant uh, but your evergreens just a little bit so it makes it through you like again you don't want to encourage new Mm -hmm. growth right now you just want to
1: encourage healthy trees. Absolutely. And you got to look at the overall picture, too, like evergreens versus um, a mesquite tree, for instance. I mean, mesquites produce their own uh, nitrogen, for example. So I would use, you know, that kelp blend versus, you know, an evergreen, which and when I say you got to look at the the whole picture is what's going on? um, What needs does it what what? nutrients needs does it need and a lot of times running a sample to the lab is a great idea too
0: a sample of the tree a sample of the soil a sample of the leaf the
2: stem what a sample of all of the above yeah you could take tissue samples and soil samples um we sent it out to a lab called analytical waypoint out in california great 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 lab out there amazing pathologists um so we we lean on them when it's we need to hit the, the head on the nail
0: so. And what does that do to your diagnostic time? Does that add a week, two weeks, a month?
1: But lately, it's been adding almost a month.
2: Yeah, they are short-staffed, as well as a lot of places out here in the country right now. Um, but when, when, when we get it back, it's thorough. It comes with recommendations. Um, it's, it's really pinpoint what we're attacking or what we need to, to amend with these lab results. Because us being certified arborists, we sometimes don't know. And and that's just instead of us giving you a lie and potentially making things worse, um, we have pathologists to send these results to, to these samples of.
0: That's really interesting. And a month may sound like a long time to us, but a month in
1: a a good tree life is nothing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Unless you're dealing with Texas root rot, which has no cure, (laughs) a month isn't going to do anything, honestly. You got about two weeks. (laughs) Pesky root rot. It's everywhere. Now,
0: Denny from Apache Junction wrote in and has a number of mesquite trees that he had planted. A couple of them look good, uh, but one of them's really suffering. Plant them all at the same time. They're four years old. I, I commend his repurposing of watering
2: techniques, but I don't think that's probably nearly enough. Ten gallons a tree a week might not be sufficient. Um, I know a mesquite, you can water it plenty, and that thing will grow like a weed. Um And it's tough with questions like this. We get a lot of them. You know, I planted all these trees all at the same time. Why are these doing bad? How come it's only just this one? Um, And without being out there, it's tough to say. It can be a lot of things. It can just be that tree's a bad choice. Um, It can be a wrong area where soil's probably not as good. But a big, big thing is proper planting depth. I would definitely recommend... That when you're looking at your trees and you can see the flare happen at the bottom of the trunk and go into the ground, you know that it's planted correctly. If it's a straight line into that ground, you know that it's probably a little too deep. And a lot of times people mistaken that if I dig a deeper hole and I put the tree in, it's less likely to fall down. But you're actually suffocating the tree because that immediate top root zone, uh, the root ball, It it has gas exchange. It needs oxygen, and it releases um, oxygen. So if we're burying that and then we're throwing tons of water on it, keeping it moist and stuff like that, it it really prevents the tree from flourishing and doing what it wants to do because it's restricted. Um, With that, you can have dieback. You can have shorter growth, stunted growth. You can develop bacteria. You can get the notorious Texas root rot. Planting depth is a huge factor out here. Uh, our soils are not the best. We have no organic material, um, so just giving
1: these guys the best chance and having the proper planting depth goes a long way. Kind of a lesson there is when when you have somebody planting the tree, do a little research. You know, learn how to plant them yourself so you can oversee it. It's just, that seems to be the the problem. That's where I usually start when I'm diagnosing a, an issue with a tree is. How deep was that tree planted? If it's deep, then I tend to see, you know, okay, there's probably more going on there and I'll prescribe what we call a root collar excavation. Um, in, in this case, with the gentleman regarding his mesquite trees, is it, was it planted too deep? Do you see a tree root flare? Um, does it look like a telephone pole? Those is where, That's where I would start. And if that's the case, chances are that that's the problem
2: yeah, and to piggyback on what what Scott said about doing research. we get a lot of calls of i I put in this tree and it died, and i and I'm buying my second one. And I just put it in and And they realize how expensive trees can be. You know everybody wants the immediate gratification and they don't want to wait, which is perfectly fine. It's just when you see the price tag of some of these trees, you you realize you need to get an expert out there. So it's usually the second time around, it's when they, they contact us, because it's an investment. Um, doing these, these root collar excavations, making sure that it's planted properly, that the, the hole's dug properly. Even even the factor of the way they dig the hole can mean a lot of things. It's, it's, I love to say it, these trees need to learn to walk before they can run. And a lot of that is underground with their roots, with the planting. Um, and then you can start figuring out what it, whether it's nutrients, whether it's proper pruning, whether it's stabilization, whether it's maybe we need to take out a tree that's next to it, stuff like that.
0: Now, changing gears a little bit from the uh, care and maintenance part, but to the education part, you guys had the opportunity to attend the Shade Conference uh, recently. And I understand that was kind of a, f- a first
2: event. Yeah, that was my first event. Um, amazing event. I, I try to, you know, ask Scott and my fellow arborists you know, what to expect, what to look for. But when you get there, it, you, you really don't envision until you see it. And it's, you know, so many vendors and nurseries and and bunch of networking and meeting great people um, and then great presenters and speakers. Um, you can actually choose what you want. There's various of, of lesson plans to choose from in a schedule so you're not confined into one room or listening to one person. No, in fact, it's hard to... Sometimes pick in
0: each session. Yeah. You've got five different classrooms you could go sit in. Which one of these do I want to mm-hmm. to be in? and Shade is something that's put on by the Arizona Nursery Association, and it stands for the Southwest Horticultural Annual Day of Education. If I remember, yeah. if my memory serves me correctly.
1: Yeah, that's correct.
0: And they pack, they say it's an annual day of education, but that one day they pack in a year's worth of education.
2: Yeah, sometimes it's a little much to take in, but you definitely always leave there with just new stuff, new research, um, stuff that you might have forgotten that they just refresh on because it's so important. Um, It being my first time, it's a continuous thing for me now. Um, I'm hooked. I'm going to be going back. I know Scott's been there a few times.
1: Three. Three times, yeah. three times, yeah. And is this a conference where people from all across the country, all the arborists come into, or is this more of a regional conference? They can. I mean, it's regional, but um, there's definitely arborists from different states that come in. Um, you get CEUs as well, so if if you're low on your continuing education, this is a great place to learn new stuff as well as uh, get those continuing educations. And the CEUs, those are certain amount of
0: education you're required to spend each year to keep your arborist certification. Yes. Yeah. You don't just get it once and be like, okay, I'm done. No, you have to continually keep it current. This
2: is a field that is always changing, always evolving. These are living organisms we deal with. Insects that become resilient. You get pathogens that become resilient to all these stuff that we are just developing, saying, hey, this works, and
1: all of a sudden it doesn't work. So, yeah. You're constantly learning in this field, like Matt's saying. So that's the one thing I love about um, what I do is there's something new every day that's bigger and better.
0: And that's just one conference from the Arizona Nursery Association coming up next weekend. The CAT, Arizona Community Tree Council, has their annual one in Prescott. That's correct.
2: That's coming up in September. Yep. 16th through 17th. It's two day. Um it's open to the public. Anybody can come. Um you can There is a cost though. You can't yes. just show up and expect all no, this education. Yeah. It is it is there is a cost and with that comes classes and like like with shade CEUs, um a raffle, stuff like that. Um we're 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 touching on pest management on this one and then also even a tree care for birds and wildlife workshop to give, you know, an insight of what you can do to help your your environment, your landscape, be directed more towards life, wildlife. Um, but definitely going on to aztrees.org for more info. Check it out. It's They do it every year. It's an annual thing, just like shade. About 10 years ago, I won an eco chainsaw there, and there was four
0: chainsaws. And I had a strategy out of the raffle. I bought a big old wing, <laughs> and I waited till they started picking them up and I was keeping track of which chainsaw had the fewest amount of tickets in it, and then I put all of mine in one right on top, and it worked. I got that chainsaw. I
1: still use it to this day. Don't give these new guys ideas, okay? uh, Two years ago, I I won a, a Steel 170, so I'm right there with you. Nice.
0: All right, our final Talking Tree segment for this September, and we've covered a lot so far. We've had our Tree of the Month, Arizona Rosewood. We talked about getting your holiday lights up and scheduling the guys at Save a Tree to come do your lighting scheme. Not only will they pick up the lights install them, but they'll also come take them back down and store them for the year. doesn't necessarily apply to Christmas alone, but also any other events or uh, wedding, backyard weddings. You'd mentioned even Scott Halloween application. You can do something for that. Uh, We talked about Fertilizing. We talked about lawn prep for our winter lawns. We talked about the Arizona Community Tree Council. We
2: talked about planting too deep. Uh, what else do we have to talk about, guys? Well, I would just like to, to give a shout-out to all the tree companies out there during this monsoon season, um, landscapers, everybody that's doing those emergency calls, middle of the night. I got a tree poking through my roof. Um, it's hard work out there. Um, when the rush is on— and it's go 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 it's one thing to try to make less of you know damage or whatever you're out there for and also keeping yourself safe um so i just want to give a shout out to all the tree workers and and guys who are out there that you see on the side of the road lumping those logs and keeping the 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 road safe and stuff like that
0: those big uh, pickup truck or not even i'm not even sure what kind of style truck you call them but you know, they're kind of like a semi but they're open hatchback and they got the Vermeer chipper that they're mm-hmm. hauling behind yep. it that they're just shredding those limbs back into there
2: yeah yeah big trip truck um, goes a long way instead of a trailer and it's going that way but now
0: do you guys uh, participate in chip drop or anything like that with uh, that's available out there
1: we do actually if you're interested in, in chip drop uh, give us a call. At 602-788-0005, that's a direct line to the office. Let them know that you're interested in a chip drop. Uh, one thing, it's kind of when we're in the area is the big thing. So just be prepared that if you want a chip drop, it'll be when we're in the area um, and, you know, on our way back or to another job. But it'll be a clean load, and you can have as much as you want. And we've
0: talked multiple times about the benefits of tree Chippings for mulching, mm-hmm. and you know, I there's been four or five times where you know Eisenhower went off on what seemed like a half hour sermon about the continued and endless benefits of what these tree chippings can do for mulching around your, your basins and your gardens and your yards. It just it's a natural, uh,
1: weed barrier. Control. Thank you, weed barrier is what I was looking for. Organic matter, there's so much. I, I've John's so smart when it comes to that. He could sit there and talk to you for hours. And you guys fill up truckloads
0: of these every day. And instead of taking them to the landfill, if you've got a customer that's interested, you'll come drop it at their property.
1: Basically, don't have a timeline. Yeah, being patient. Yeah, be patient. Have a rough idea because you don't want thorns. You know, a lot of times we throw other garbage in there. Someone might say, hey, can you get rid of this? And we'll do that for them. So just be patient, but we can absolutely give you a chip drop. And then this isn't a service
0: y'all provide, but you had made a point to make mention for homeowners that if you've been here in the springtime and you see that uh, African poppy bloom, the the Mm -hmm. bright oranges and the yellows. And, you know, anybody that's ever driven from Phoenix to Tucson in the springtime around Picacho Peak, you know, there's always just that beautiful explosion of color that now's the time to spread those seeds out.
1: And that's a hundred percent. And you know, like I know, one of my customers loves spreading milkweed out and bringing the butterflies, and so, and they're just so beautiful all the time. But if if you do it now. Um, Gently rake, those seed out there, gently rake it into the soil, uh, keep it moist just like your lawn until it starts to germinate, and then back it off uh, three to four weeks. Amazing color. I suggest everybody try it. Go to your local nursery and pick up a bag of wildflower seeds. And
0: just spread them everywhere, anywhere and everywhere. It doesn't look bad if you've got a, a landscaped rock garden. I mean, these are very low water use. They're native. Spread them out. Let them
2: germinate let the Forget rainfall about them. do their yeah. thing. It's when spring comes around, you say, when did this happen? You know, and it, it's beautiful. Mosaic colors everywhere. Um, great ground cover, you know, just to kind of lively up the, the backyard or front yard. It's springtime. Everybody's outside. It's, it's you know, love's in the air. <laughs> so, <clears throat> uh, Save-a-tree.
0: Scott, you had mentioned your phone number just a minute ago, and that was the first time this broadcast, if somebody wanted to schedule an arborist or somebody to look at their holiday tree lighting scheme, uh, or any of the number of the services y'all have—a tree fertilizer, lawn care.
1: Yeah, give us a call. Um, definitely, we can help you with pruning, removals, decor. Um, you know, if you even have questions about there, we might be able to help you with. You know, like um, that gentleman that called in regarding his tree was too deep. We would love to help you fertilizing. We offer a great program for that lawn care yeah give us a call when you can 602-788-0005 now during
0: the week Matthew uh, what's your typical day what what, and with all these different services where does your specialty fall in
2: right now with monsoon being you know still still around a lot of broken branches a lot of blown over trees um, it's tough right now because we're not out of the season yet so Blown over trees might get blown over again, so I, no, I got to par, prepare. Part of the emergency response
0: team,
1: absolutely. And Scott, how about you? So my specialty is well, is the plant health care and lawn care, um, but I I do everything. That's kind of where I came from. My background, I did everything, and so if you if you need pruning, um, if you have storm damage, you you need something to. For us to see what's going on with your tree, give us a call. And uh, I should be able to diagnose it. And if I don't, I'm not afraid to send it off to a lab or ask questions.
0: Scott Calabrese, Matthew Noriega, our ISA certified arborist from Save a Tree. Thanks for spending your time this Saturday morning with us, Talking Trees. Thank you.
1: Thank you.